Good morning, church. Good morning. Somebody say, Bokotov. Like broke your toe. Yeah, in Hebrew, Brokotov. I got it. I got it. I know what you missed. I got it. Yeah. So uh, how about putting that little graphic up about uh, pace, amore, e pizza? Huh? Pace? What's pace mean? Peace. Amore? Pizza. Today is pace, amore, e pizza. So after the service, we have pizza. Yeah. During the service now, we have some peace, we have some love, and then we have pizza. It's very Italian, no? Pace, amore, e pizza. Who, who doesn't like pizza? We'll have to get you something else. We, we'll get you some of the stuff out of the kitty refrigerator over there that we're, we're giving them, and you can chew on that stuff for a while. Pace, amore, e pizza. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online and to our Diaspora Touch Heaven churches, wherever you're at. What an honor it is to serve with you in the kingdom of God, and what a time we live in, huh? As I was contemplating this week and praying, one of those few moments I had to myself, I was sitting in the hot sun, and it wasn't even here. It was somewhere else where I was working. And something came back to me, that was titled, One of the Greatest Sermons Ever Preached. Now, I think we would not be doing it, that we would be doing an injustice if we didn't give that credit to Jesus Christ and the Beatitudes, right? However, uh, this is a pretty good sermon, and some have called it one of the best sermons ever preached. Now, I'm taking some liberties with it, and... JP is going to help me so I can try to capture this voice. <clears throat> and the voices of this wonderful preacher who had no choice when he was born, his mama named him Shadrach Meshach. Come on. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Now, what are you going to do if your mama names you Shadrach Meshach? You're not going to play football. You're not going to sell Fords, right? You're certainly not going to be a teacher, but he is a teacher. But Shadrach Meshach followed his name and became a wonderful, terrific Baptist teacher, teacher with the Calvary system in San Diego. He passed away in about 2000, and he quit his daily services in 93. But he came through a very tumultuous time, and he watched a lot of changes. And he came and gave this sermon that is entitled, The Lordship of Christ. But then the subtitle was, We Live in a Sickly Society. So today, Brother Lockridge and myself are going to partner together as I gleam from this foundation that he gave with myself to have some liberties and to give the Spirit the move to go. Are you game? Are you game? So Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. He started off with this to his church. And he said, I'm going to use for a subject 
this morning, the Lordship of Christ. And for a text, we turn to the book of Philippians, second chapter, verses 9, 10, and 11. We got a bit of a ring going up here, JP. In Philippians, second chapter, 9, 10, and 11. Wherefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Lordship of Christ. Pastor Lockridge wrote back in the 1980s, he said, in March of this year, NBC tried to convince us that we live against the backdrop of a soap opera. <laughs> and it's a mystique, like as the world turns. Or the young and the restless are on search for tomorrow. To this present time, interesting, the young and restless never got old yet. And they're still restless, and they haven't found the search for tomorrow yet. They never found peace. They're still claiming to be restless and cause shut-ins in people who don't have much of a life and watch that stuff to remain restless. They are aware that the days of our lives are lived one day at a time, but they live on the edge of night. And they're searching for the guiding light, and it hits them in the face, and they can't see it anyway. But if they miss it, they'll end up in General Hospital. And people air their dirty laundry with Judge Judy. And some who have nothing to do with their time fantasize about being like the bold and the beautiful. Inflation is soaring, so it's hard to afford a used car now. You actually have to choose between a car, a house, or even a college tuition, don't we? But the price is right. If you want to embrace gossip and delusion and distortion, you can choose between the talk or the view that can't see a view, or you can bet your life and discuss it with Dr. Phil or take it to the hot bench. Yes, we live in a sadly sick society that is stealing our souls. Do you know people still think that they can find peace of mind in other things like pills, drugs? They try to eat their way some to ecstasy, but they want to do it fast, so they think it's healthy to stay in a long line at Chick-fil-A just to get a few knuckles of chicken. They try to drink their way to pleasure, and some drink dangerously over-caffeinated Red Bull to get lifted up, and then some beer with the picture of a gender TikTok celebrity to come down at night. The bold lie of thinking you can inhale smoke safely is softened to vaping now, rather than smoking, and children are getting hooked even earlier and faster, and people still try to smoke their way to settle their nerves. They try to puff themselves up and find their way to popularity and push their way to power. And now we have this great delusion that Pastor Lockridge 
would have scoffed at, it's called Facebook, calls anybody, any random person a friend, shares intimate information as if we're walking around in our underwear before the world, to children, spouses, and yes, some people who don't have the right ideas. TikTok used to be something that was a comfortable memory. I remember it well in my grandfather's house as the grandfather clock went TikTok. But now it's used to gin up whatever fad someone is daring to try. And they try to bully their way to friendship and bum their way to world peace. But I know where a poor man has a chance. I know where a sick man can get well. I know where an ignorant man can become wise. And I know where a bad man can be made good. I know where good men can be made better. And even a dead man can be made alive in Jesus Christ. You know, we are forever blowing bubbles, looking for ships that never come in, chasing pots of gold at the end of receding rainbows. Now think this, that when a child blows a bubble, he or she's not concerned about values. They're thrilled as long as the bubble lasts. And when it bursts, they simply blow another bubble. Let me ask you this question, how do you expect ships to come in when you've sent no ships out. People believe they are entitled to reap anything and everything today as we tick-tock towards a socialist society even in this country. Entitlement. Entitled to reap anything and everything, yet sow nothing to anyone. And you never will find that proverbial pot of gold because you try to ignore the one who has the rainbow wrapped around his shoulder. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Now Lockridge is thinking back into the 60s and what a time that was with the Vietnam era. Drafting again conscription, being sent to a faraway place without really knowing what the reason was. Young boys, fathers coming back mutilated or in body bags, and it gave forth to the hippie love movement, did it not? But also something happened in that time, during the 60s and even into the 70s, all of a sudden, Time Magazine, Time Magazine came out and said, God is dead. God is dead. I remember that. How many of you can remember that? Some of you weren't born yet. Let me tell you. And the offbeat theologians, and some of them I studied in the 70s as I pursued my degrees in philosophy and religion and political science, these guys were subsurface. They were freaks, if you will. They were trying to outthink each other in some of the most liberal colleges there were, so they would send out these things to see who could undo the next one. And finally, they collaborated and they said, what if God is dead? And it caught on to people who had lost hope and didn't understand. 
Now, that shouldn't have been surprising to those of us because the Bible has informed us, has it not, that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his or her heart, there is no God. And when I first heard that absurd statement, it made me want to ask some stupid and senseless questions like, who assassinated God? What coroner was called? Who signed his death certificate? Who was so well acquainted with the one pronounced dead that he could identify the deceased? In what obituary column did you find his name? And why was I not notified? I'm next of kin. I'm a member of the family. You see, God is spirit, and of course he cannot die by assassination, and he does not die by the pronouncement of flesh or other spirit. He does not die by denial. He just doesn't die. He's as real today as he was to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and if you trust him, he will be as true to you as he was to Abram. When Abram was called to come out, having no idea whether he was going. If you trust him, he'll be as evident to you as he was to Moses when God manifested himself in a burning bush and turned the destiny of a nation around. Now, when these so-called theologians, self-named, decided they couldn't get any, anywhere with the God is dead and wanted to one-up it one more, they came up with another theological question later in the 80s. And that question was, where did God come from? Now the prime, primary purpose of God in creation was what? To prepare a moral being spiritually and intellectually capable of worshiping Him. A family. A family, both male and female, a species that would be like Him in His image and like Him in His spirit that would have eternal life and would increase his family with his creation. When heaven and earth yet unmade, when there was empty blackness and void formlessness and darkness on the face of the deep, when time was yet unknown, there was no time, then we cry out, O thou in thy bliss and majesty did live and love alone, my creator. He's the one who called light out of darkness. He called cosmos out of chaos. He called order out of confusion, but this question still clamors for an answer you might have asked yourself and never dared to try to answer. Where did God come from? The answer that he came from, nowhere. That's the answer. God came from nowhere. And that is both theologically correct and biblically correct. For Habakkuk said, I saw him when he left the hills of Timar, the holy one from Mount Paran. And Timar, if you don't know, simply means nowhere. I saw him when he left the hills of nowhere. So he came from nowhere. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge, 
offered that he made this statement preaching in Detroit some time ago, and a man came up to him after the meeting and said, Preacher, let's get reasonable about this thing that God came from nowhere. You were talking about that, and it just doesn't make sense. Can we get reasonable about it? And Lockridge answered him and said, If you want to be reasonable about it, then the reason God came from nowhere is there wasn't anywhere for him to come from. And the reason he had to stand on nothing was there was nowhere for him to stand. In standing on nothing, he reached out there where was nothing to reach and caught something when there was nothing to catch and hung something on nothing and told it stay there. Now you'll find that in Job chapters 26 and 27 that he hung this world on nothing. Standing on nothing, he took the hammer of his own will and struck the anvil of his omnipotence and sparks flew therefrom and he caught them on the tips of his fingers and flung them out into space and he bedecked the heavens with stars and nobody said a word And the reason nobody said a word is that there wasn't anybody there to say anything. So God himself gave the word, that's good. And God has given Christ a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, come on, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God of the Father. Now the hinges of history have turned by the strength of insignificant men, losers, people washed out by the world, people that have been told you'll never amount to anything, people who came from cultures and family situations where all the odds have been against them. Insignificant people who linked their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and did very significant things. Rivers of civilization cut new courses because of the courage of men and women who have come under the love and Lordship of Jesus Christ. But the question is now asked, Pastor, why is this relevant? What is this for us today at this moment, in this place, at this time? Well, for the lost... If you shall confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, for the municipality of our troubled cities, with out-of-control murder rates, this is the word of the Lord, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that are building. We determined last week that a murderous spirit has been released upon the earth and Unfortunately, it's witnessed and evidenced almost by the day. And yet, the solutions come, they try from politics, they try from sociology, they try from philosophy, they try from activists and would-be good doers, they try from those who are bad doers, and they can't come up with a solution. They try to cancel the culture, they try to change the culture, they challenge the very image of God, saying no longer is it man and female, but it's whatever gender you want to call it. Last I knew, there are 64 registered genders now. 
You want to be a helicopter today? You're a helicopter. Nobody should offend you. You feel like a kitty cat today and a dog tomorrow? Woof, woof, meow, meow. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. We've lived now to see God removed from the public places, from the sports fields. Only those who are bold enough to take a knee and whose salaries are so great, nobody can tell them different. They'll pray before a game and many pray along with them, but nobody prays publicly on the speakers anymore. And God was kicked out of the schools and the first tragedy was Columbine. He's been removed from the public places and now they're even trying to remove him from our houses. And to teach our children before they have a choice to have a mind of their own, that there are other things that are better than family and God. And that they are allowed to question their very biological image. For the nation, <laughs> blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. For those who claim to be committed, acknowledgement of crisis authority must be accompanied by absolute obedience to his commandment. We heard Jesus asked this one day, why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things which I say? We've determined that there are four classes of men and women who may be described by their relationship to the Lord. Number one, those who need to call him Lord but they don't do the things which he said. Those who call him Lord, and they don't do the things which he says. Those who don't call him Lord, but do some of the things which he says. And those who both call him Lord and do the things which he says. And today, we have eyes that see beyond what our brother Lockridge could see, because now we see that we're coming to that place even told to us in Revelation, that there would be a bifurcated church. A church that is cold, lukewarm, and hot. And the fourth person, the one who calls him Lord and obeys him, they're hot. And we see the categories of the one who don't call him Lord and don't do his things, they are cold. And the one who calls him Lord but doesn't do what they're supposed to do, they're lukewarm. And so we stand at the edge of night, and we're watching, and we're waiting, and we're doing what he's told us to do, we're occupying. But in that place of occupation, we're called to minister and to serve. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Now, Lord is not a word to be taken upon our lips lightly and glibly and meaninglessly. It is a title that should be taken on our lips with a godly fear. We can see what Jesus meant when he said that not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into my kingdom. Everyone is mastered by someone or something. Everyone serves someone or something. Christ alone deserves first place. We need a strength in Him that is stronger than ourselves. We need a strength strong enough to help us to stand the stresses 
and strains of our struggles, and the rightful Lord of our lives is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, in order for him to be the Prince of Peace to you, the Pacia, El Signore, a coronation service must take place. You and I, we must crown him in our own heart. Wherefore, the word tells us, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, as we read, to the glory of the Father. Now these are the words of the man who walked all over the pagan world. He turned houses into chapels and street corners into pulpits. He proclaimed the unsearchable riches of Christ. He lit the lamp for the gospel in Caesar's household. He disturbed the nest of the centurion eagles, and he sent them screaming across the Roman sky. He honeycombed the land with churches and then sat in Nero's prison cell and chains, and he conquered the world by writing letters. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul penned and announced that God has given a Christ the name that's above every name, and he envisioned the time when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul declared that Jesus has unqualified supremacy. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn from the dead, and he's the head of the church. In all things, all things, nothing lacking, he has preeminence. He precedes all others in his priority, and exceeds all others in his superiority. He succeeds all others in his finality. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the letter of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors and the prince of princes. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Yes, Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. In his letter to the Romans, Paul declared that we all belong to Christ. And that we are responsible ultimately to him for everything that we do. We live unto the Lord and we die unto the Lord. Yes, the great end with which Christ died and lives now for always is that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now the word Lord simply means having power or authority, does it not? And the Great Commission is based upon the claims of our Savior's Lordship. He came and he spoke, saying, All power is given unto me. All power is given unto me as Lord. And in earth you shall go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe the things whatever I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, Lord means ownership. His ownership is based on his lordship. And his lordship is based on his ownership. And the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Jesus is Lord. 
Interesting, he didn't have to sign his autograph in the corner of the sunrise. He's the owner. Nobody else is going to make the sunrise. He didn't have to put a laundry mark in the lapel of the meadow. He's the owner. He didn't have to carve his initials into the side of the mountain. He's the owner. He didn't even have to put a brand on the cattle of a thousand hills. He's the owner. He didn't have to take out a copyright on the songs that he gives the birds to sing, and he's the owner. And beyond the human level, the word Lord stands as our understanding the reverence to God. Interesting, in Orthodox Hebrew, and even now, for those that hold on strictly in their Orthodox Hebrew faith, you don't pronounce the name of God. You don't say God, you don't say Jehovah, you don't say Yahweh. Instead, when they read the sacred and communicable name of God, what they translate is the word Lord, owner of everything. Hear, O Israel, is the Shammai. The Lord our God is one. Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, Christians, we've applied this part of the Christ in the latter usage on either our human or divine level, and the title Lord is a mark of respect, and we imply obedience. Remember when Peter stood up before a hostile crowd and said, God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Yes, Christ represents the thing that God has done to redeem us, and Lord represents what we ought to do not to be redeemed because we are redeemed. We ought to call him master and be obedient service. We ought to call him owner because he possesses our lives. In him, in him, we live and move, and we have our being. We ought to call him father and be obedient sons and daughters. He's our only hope, and he's our only help. That's why David said, God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble, is he not? Therefore, we shall not fear, though the earth be moved. And though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams thereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, our Creator, and He shall not be moved. The heathen rage, the kingdoms move, yet at His voice the earth melts, and the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, the Lord God of Israel, is our refuge. Come and behold the works of the Lord, cries the prophet. See that he makes to see the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder and burns the chariot in the fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. And Jesus says, all you who are overburdened and heavy laden, come unto me. I will give you rest. He shall be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is indeed still our refuge. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He is because he came down the stairway of heaven. He was born in Bethlehem. He hid in Egypt. He brought up in Nazareth and he baptized in Jordan. He was tempted in the wilderness. He performed miracles by the roadside. He healed multitudes without medicine, and he didn't charge for his services. 
He conquered anything that came up against him. He took your sins and mine, and he went out on Calvary, and there he died. And while on that cross, he said several things, teaching us. In teaching us how to forgive, we heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In teaching us how to comfort, we heard him say to the repenting thief, This day shall you be with me in paradise. And we heard him say, in teaching us how to sympathize, Woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother. In teaching us how to endure, we heard him say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in teaching us how to suffer, we heard him say, I thirst. In teaching us how to accomplish, we heard him say, It is finished. In teaching us how to die, we heard him say, I have to commend my spirit to you now, Father. It's leaving me. In teaching us that we should be those who carry our own cross, we are amplified to know that there's a fellowship with him. And that as we carry it, there's a force that lifts it higher and easier than we could do ourselves. Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And how about when the thief taunted him on the cross and said, if you be the Christ, then come down from that cross and save yourself. And by the way, while you're at it, save us too. Jesus never said a mumbling word, but I think we could have heard him say, you just wait till Resurrection Sunday. And I'll show you that it's better to come up out of a grave than it is to come down from a cross. And he dropped his head to the locks of his shoulder and he died. He died soul, spirit, and body. Yes, Jesus died. Don't let anybody fool you. He died. And when he died, earth went into a cosmic fit. When he died... The sun bowed its head under the curtains of eternity and it became dark. I believe not only over the earth, but potentially all over God's creation and universe. The creator himself, the one whose hands created all things, was for that moment in a blip of eternity dead. And when he died, we can know that the insects crawled back in their holes and <laughs> chickens went to roost at noonday. That's a problem. When he died, the grave had a spasm, and the dead got up out of the grave. And they walked the streets after his resurrection. Jesus died. Curious people, they tiptoed around the cross at Calvary, wondering what should happen. And the murmur went out across that area in Jerusalem and said, the man of God, the prophet, the one who healed he died. The woman wept and the children had to behold this dreadful scene. And one cruel Roman soldier said, surely this was the Son of God. And at that moment, the curtains in the veil of the temple were split in twain. And there was a transformation. There was a change. There was an eruption in faith. What I'm trying to to tell you is he died.
but I don't like to stay on that too long. I'd rather rush into this and that he was buried in Joseph's new tomb and it was a borrowed tomb. Now that used to bother me. Jesus buried in a borrowed tomb. I mean, really, he's the one who holds the waters in the hollow of his hands. He's the one who meets out the heavens and the span of all the stars, who comprehends the dust, it says, and weighs the mountains in a scale, in the hills and the balance. This man, the creator, buried in a borrowed tomb? Well, we get solaced in thinking this way. He wasn't going to stay there long, so I guess a temporary tomb suffices. He just went down to the place where the soul that sins, that dies, goes to. He went into that place called hell. And in that place called hell, he paid the price for sins, and not just the sins of those that were living with him that day, but for everyone's sins. So that whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. He prayed for sinners unrepentant and sinners repentant. And he suffered the price of death of sins for those who repent and those who do not. He paid the fullness of the penalty of the law because he came to keep the law. He said, I haven't come to destroy it, but I have come to fulfill it. And I fulfill it by paying this price. And I'm about to deliver a new covenant, a blood covenant. A covenant once and for all that whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Lamb of God, shall be saved. And just like the Bible said he would, just as he had proclaimed, just as even Jonah had his three days, and even as Jesus had told them he would come back, he got up with every form of power in the orbit of his omnipotence, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, you know, men have been wondering, is it possible that he could relinquish his power? Is it possible that some force, something could cause his power to fail him? Or can somebody destroy it? Can he mess up? Is there something that displaces or replaces it? And Lockridge answered this to that inquiry. He said, let me ask you something, mister. <laughs> if you're going to destroy his power, what are you going to use for power? If you just try to destroy him by fire, he'll refuse to burn. I once was in Israel with Brother Jimmy Nadal, and we were on a march through Jerusalem. And I'd given strict orders, do not hand out New Testaments or tracts because it will offend those people that are there. And we told them we would not proselytize, but Jimmy couldn't help himself. And he handed out a little Bible. It was about this big. And he went to the one who looked like the most orthodox fellow you could find. He had everything. And he handed it to him and the fellow was trying to look at it. And another man came up who obviously could read English. And they began to curse and get angry and they wanted to attack Jimmy. And the other fellow had a, a big lighter with a big flame on it. And they took the Bible and they put it underneath it. And it would not burn. They opened it up to the middle. It would not burn. They tore out some pages. It would not burn. You can try to burn Jesus Christ with the fire, but you can't burn him. 
He'll walk through the fire of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you will come out not even smelling like smoke. You can't destroy Jesus. You can't touch him with fire. If you try to destroy him by water, he'll just walk on it. If you try to destroy him by a strong wind, the tempest will lick his hand and lay down at his feet. If you try to destroy him by law, they won't find any fault in him. If you try to destroy him by the seal of an empire, he'll break that empire into pieces. If you try to destroy him by putting him in a grave, thank God he'll rise out of that grave. If you try to destroy him by simply saying you reject him and you don't know him, oh yes, soon you will hear the still small voice. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. You can't quench his voice. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are. It doesn't matter if you've been missionized. It doesn't matter if you've had the word of God or not have the word because creation cries out that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the still, small voice of the Lord permeates everybody everywhere at any time. Yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory, to the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is the pearl from paradise. He's the gem from the glory land. He's the truth's fairest jewel. And he's time's choicest theme. He's life's strongest cord. And his light is clear and sparkling. His purities are at the whitest peak. His name stands as a cinnamon for free healing, free friendly help, full salvation. And his blessed name is like honey to taste. He's like harmony to the ear. He's like help to the soul. He is hope to the broken heart. Yes, Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He's higher than the heavens of heavens, and he's holier than the holy of holies. In his birth is our significance. In his life is our example. In his cross is our redemption. In his, in his resurrection, he is our hope. And think on this, men came from the east at his birth and at his death they came from the west and the east and the west met in Jesus hallelujah oh the Lord God omnipotent reigns and that in his name and to his name and in his name every knee did you hear me say every knee every knee say every knee, every knee. oh yeah every knee Every knee, every knee of the white man, every knee of the red man, every knee of the brown man, every knee of the black man, every knee of the young one, every knee of the old one, every knee of the believer, every knee of the non-believer, every knee, I tell you, every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory. Of the Father. Hey! Here's our prayer. Just don't let it be said too late. That tongue is going to confess, no matter whose it is. No matter what they say, no matter what they think. 
We just pray, don't let it be too late. There are some who say, I've got a living to do. I had such a one. I had two of them in my life. They saw miracles at the name of Jesus. They saw the power. They saw me endure persecution. They saw me walk boldly in the faith and pronounce Jesus Christ. They came to me, one in the middle of the night, in a faraway Arab nation, knowing I was leaving in the morning. He said, I want to have what you have. I want you to pray for me that I can be like you can be. I said, I can do that, my friend, but Allah is not God. He said, well, I said, do you believe in the Jesus that I preach? Yes, I believe. Well, you can't have two gods. He's a jealous God. There's only one. If you want what I have and want to be who I am, then I invite you now to accept Jesus Christ into your Lord. His comment to me was, I'm part of the royal family. They'll discard me. I'll lose everything. My children will lose everything. I could even be hung or beheaded. I said, what a price to pay for the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because the martyrdom is the highest course. I said, you even know that from your holy scriptures. I said, let's do it. He began to cry and weep and shake. I thought we were at that moment, and he denied it. He said, I can't, and I won't. But I assure you, his tongue will confess Jesus Christ at some point. I had another one worked with me for four or five years. Five, six times I sat with him. One time holding him in my arms because he was in all kind of trouble overseas. Telling him Jesus will fix it all. I said, why don't you give your heart now to Jesus? I'll never forget the look on his face. He says, oh, as he tried to impress me, I'm not a hypocrite. I said, good. He said, I don't want to stop living like I'm living. I like to go to Las Vegas. I like to do the things I'm doing with my friends. I can't do it right now. But a few days later, he plastered himself 110 miles per hour, drunk on scotch against a wall. And at his funeral, I wept as I saw them put bottle of Jack on his coffin and his friends salute him without nary a prayer. His tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's no good to try to crawl up in a dying bed and play the risk of roulette time. Now I tell you, I know it's better for somebody to be borderline saved than not to be saved at all, and only the good Lord knows by grace. But is it really worth taking a risk? It's too dangerous to risk because no man, no woman knows the day of their time here on this earth. And that's the reason the prophet said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he's near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous person their thoughts. And God will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon. Oh, beloved, don't wait. 
Acknowledge Him as your Savior and your Lord. Bow your knees and cry, Holy, fear Him because of His power. Love Him because of His wisdom. Trust Him because of His goodness. And praise Him because of His greatness. Believe in Him because of His faithfulness. Adore Him because of His holiness. The Lord He is my light. He's my salvation. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my high tower. The Lord is my shield and buckler. Yes, the Lord is plain. He's profound. The Lord is simple and sublime. The Lord is suitable and serviceable. Yes, He's Lord to the glory of the Father. The Lord is a fountain of every excellence and He's a mirror of perfection. He's a light. Of heaven. He's the wonder of the world. Yes, he's time's masterpiece and he's eternity's glory. Yes, he's Lord to the glory of the Father. Consider that he's a morning without a cloud. He's a day without a night. He's a rose without a thorn. He's a mountain without a valley and he's a light without darkness. He's health without sickness. He's strength without weakness. He is truth without air and he's life eternal without death yes he's Lord and I love that he's my Lord yes he is I can brag I can boast because I've been washed in the blood of the lamb and I can boast that the Lord is my shepherd inside of me inside of you As you walk in Him, there are still waters already bubbling and gurgling inside with a voice. Beneath you are nothing but green pastures of provision and abundance. Before you is a table prepared for every circumstance, every problem, every enemy, every situation. In between you and your home, even though there might be a valley in the shadow of death, He walks with you and makes sure that He guides you to the place of your destination. Behind you, walk goodness and mercy all the days of your life. And beyond looms the house of the Lord forever. Oh, he's my Lord. Yes, he is Lord to the glory of the Father. The question is today for you, for anybody who may listen upon this at any time, is he your Lord? What category do you fit in? One, two, three, four? At times, are we a hybrid between three and four or stuck in two? At times, do we say his name out loud, Lord, and at the same time, there's another priority in our lives? At times, do we tolerate those who tell us our faith is foolish? Or do we persevere and turn that street corner into a pulpit and that house into a church? If he's not your Lord, he can be right now. Oh yes, there's a place as was written a long time ago in the sweet by and by. (laughs) We shall meet on that beautiful shore. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, I know it's there. I cannot see it. But in that sweet by and by, I shall meet him on that distant shore. He's got a possession. He owns the planets. He owns the plains. 
He's got a society that's beyond the stars, stars, a citizenship that's in heaven, a paradise that has no perils, and in the house of the Lord, we can dwell forevermore. Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge, and Frank, John Amedia, known as the ITLJW, the Italian Jew. That's my signature in the kingdom world. We've partnered today to glorify Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of the Father. Brother Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. He closed with this. He said, have you pondered that we're just having a rehearsal down here? Really all we're doing is practicing what is going to be perfected when we go to the sweet by and by. And when we get on that other side, there's no more rehearsing. It's time to perform in the house of the Lord forever in the house of the Lord. And if you get in the way, Shadrach said, and I'm a running from this one to the next shore, I will run right over you and run right down one side and up the other because I'm going to the sweet by and by where Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please, and wherever you are, however you are, whoever you are. You say, Pastor, I got it. I know now that this is my time. And I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to be borderline saved. I don't want to take that risk. I'm asking Jesus for strength. I'm inviting him in to be my Lord. I'm rebooting my life. I'm taking out all the glitches. I'm filtering my priorities. If you've never known Jesus Christ as your Lord or proclaimed it, now's your time to just join me in a simple prayer. I'm not going to publicly post you about and run you about and stand you up. You see, this is a, an intimate thing. It's between you and Jesus and the Father. It's not for my well-being. I don't have any agenda other than to serve as a servant of the living God with the greatest call and the greatest privilege to invite those to join the family of God and to be washed in His blood. If that's you, or if you say, Pastor, I, I've been straddling the valley. I've got one foot on the left side and one foot on the right side, and I, I, I don't mean to be wrong, but I know it's time, and God have mercy with me. Just help me to gently ease in and do what I need to do and to walk away from what I need to walk away from and to become useful in the kingdom, not just for myself, but as a servant of my Lord. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to receive the Lord or just make a recommitment to the Lord, I'm going to ask you right where you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm the only one looking. Just put your hand up right now. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Yes, I see it. 
Yes, I see it. And if you're home and you say, Pastor, something's screaming inside of me. I can't hold it back. I need now. I need him now. I need Jesus to be my Lord right now. Then let's all join in this prayer. Pastor Ralph, I want you to lead this prayer. And then after that, Pastor Ed, I want you to take the collection. Okay? All right, my brother, go. If you made that confession, we're going to repeat after me, but also everybody in here repeat. Father, you've not called us to be perfect, but to yield ourselves to you, to acknowledge you as Lord. This day, Lord, this day, Jesus, we confess we need you. We confess that you are Lord of all. We thank you for the work that you've done in your life and in your death. Lord, in that, we die with you and today we raise with you in resurrection power. Father, Lord, we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior. This day, keep us with this Holy Spirit that you've given us on fire for you. Help us, Lord, to put this flesh to rest and let this spirit rise in the power and the name of Jesus Christ the name above every name. Amen.